Hi folks, Bob Main here with another episode of today's survival show. Helping you do what you can with what you have, wherever you are. Well, I have another guest interview, and this is another one that Mexican Joe did. He's been doing a pretty good job. He's been helping me out the past few weeks. I've had a move and a long business trip and a trip out to Washington, D.C. and all that. Things have now gotten back to normal a little bit. So now that we're settled into the new downsized place because... You know what? As preppers, we have to live within our means. So I'm at a downsized place and and that's good. It's making me and my family happy and we're getting along just fine. Mexican Joe stepped in and put together another great interview. This is about surviving earthquakes. And uh, Super Dave, who's also on the forum, survived the uh, Northridge earthquake out in California recently. So he and Mexican Joe talk about it and with all that said, let's just go ahead and jump right into the interview. Okay, we're back for part two with Super Dave. Uh, this is Mexican Joe, uh, just helping out with the podcast. Um, I think I've got a better setup this time. I don't have to be on Skype for this one because they just stopped by. Also, I got all my windows closed up, my AC on, so that my whole gaggle of birds outside doesn't give us too much audio. Um... We're kind of going to pick up where we left off. Uh, Dave's last uh, interview uh, was based on the riots and what he had going there. Uh, this is part two to that. And uh, with that, I guess Dave's going to take it from here, and I'm just going to kind of sit here and interject some questions when I come up with them that I think you all might have uh, of him try to help you out. All right, go ahead, Super Dave. Well, I'll just start off this way. Uh, early to mid-'90s, were probably one of the worst times of my life uh, as far as just several stuff hits the fan events. It could have probably been raining gold dust and diamonds back then. I'd have got hit with a pinto hubcap. <laughs> uh, anyway, after the 92 riot, um, latter part of that year, I had a, had a bad accident, a head-on collision, which put me out for about six months. Um, total my truck, which I'm, I'm going to lead up into the Northridge earthquake. I've just got to paint, I've got to put a basis down for how all this happened. Um, anyway, I was disabled working light duty for about six months, and anyway, that went on, and I managed to pull through that, and that was, that was tough times. Um, anyway, about November of, uh, 93, I got a settlement, got the settlement from my accident, and I went to Sam's Club, I had just, just this driving desire to stock up on preps, I mean, I had exhausted pretty much everything I had earlier that year, just trying to make it, and so I went to Sam's and I bought mostly canned goods and lots of bulk paper goods, toilet paper, paper towels, um, and went, you know, got, of course, got lots of, lots of bottled water. And this is, but this is before you even knew what a prepper was. Right, right. I, this is just because of the way you were brought up. Right. And I just, I, I, I everything, all my, my cupboards were empty, and I, and I, I just took advantage of the, of the settlement, and went and done that. Which is a pretty good way to invest a settlement. Yes. Is to invest yeah. it back into yourself. Definitely. So, 
And like I said, I just had this urge. You know, I just I just had to get this stuff done, much like where we're at now. And I've learned to listen to that little voice. So, and, that, and that's the same voice that a lot of preppers have because there's an inner voice, irregardless of what the trigger was, whether it was a book or just stumbling across or somebody told him to listen to Bob on one of his shows, uh, it triggers something, and then all of a sudden you have this urge. And then if you're really made to be a prepper, that urge really never goes away, and it turns into from an urge to a lifestyle. Right. So it just never goes away. Well, shortly after I did all that, my uh, first wife and I were going separate ways. She, I guess, decided that having me as a husband and my paycheck as security wasn't enough, so she decided to cheat on me, basically, um, and that was basically part two of the stuff hits the fan for me in 90, well, I guess, 93. So that being done, I went ahead and I filed divorce. I guess it was probably about December, December of 93. Well, I had moved from Sherman Oaks up to the Valencia area right off of Interstate 5. And this, again, this is in California. This is in California. And January, I believe it was January 17th, 1994, if I'm correct on my date. I got woken up, with, I'll put it this way, the night before, having, you know, wife and I apart, I mean, I just, I, I basically just set my wits in, and so I, I, I got drunk, and I passed out, it was about midnight, and it was about, I guess about 5 o'clock in the morning, that morning, I got woke up by the most horrendous force I had ever experienced in my life, and that being the Northridge earthquake. I woke up in mid-flight, and to hear everything you own breaking, being thrown on the floor, um, things coming through the ceiling, dust, lot power goes out, everything goes out, everything goes pitch black, it is just the ultimate chaos if you've never lived it. Earthquakes are no joke. And that one definitely was not. It was a different kind of earthquake. They're very violent. This one and they're was, very sudden. This one was extremely violent. And what originally woke me up was my car alarm. I had a 65 bug. And, of course, out in California, it's always a good idea to put a car alarm on your car because people like to steal them. Right. And... And 65 bucks, four guys could pick it up and run off with it. Pretty much. <laughs> An earthquake bounced it, that's for sure. It bounced it bounced off, off out of the parking spot up onto a little island and back, which was kind of interesting to me. But anyway, the quake happened, and I was wearing contact lenses at the time. Of course, I'm, my, my vision is terrible without the aid of glasses or something. And wake up still not sober can't see pitch black it sounds like a freight train is running through the floor of my apartment i'm hearing everything i own break i honestly thought california was falling off in the ocean i honestly thought that this it, is it. this is it this is the big one they've all talked about california's going to surf to hawaii i i just I, I figured my my time was short i was just waiting and Anyway, they, that hit, so 
when it when it finally stopped shaking, I couldn't even tell you how long it went. It felt like 20 minutes. It, I know it was just you know a matter of a few seconds, but it was just so violent. When I finally got some of the debris and stuff off of me, that's when I was trying to get my head together because I mean uh, you're you're now in chaos. You hear alarms going off, you know, car alarms all over the place, um, and it's just this cloud. The noise. Well, it's, it, you got the noise, but you've got a cloud of just dust. Oh, okay. And it's just, LA is smoggy anyway, but you just figure you <laughs> well, it's in your apartment. You hold it in your apartment outside. It was just incredible. So I, I'm trying to get my ducks in a row, trying to figure things out. I run into the bathroom. Well, where I left my contact lenses, guess what? They weren't there. <laughs> Being half blind, I couldn't find them in no lights. So I'm having to feel through all the debris, and I'm, luckily I found them. And I was able to try to put those in, well, boom, aftershock. Well, the thing with the earthquakes is you don't know whether it's going to be the one you just had, if it's a precursor to one that's worse, or if that was the bad one and the others are going to be like, you just don't know. Yeah. You have no idea. Aftershock, pre-shock. Yeah, it just, it, you, you don't know. And so I'm trying to get contact lenses so I can see. Went in, I ran, ran in, I, I had my some my BDUs, I had my old bag from when I was in reserves. I had it sitting in the closet where I knew where it was, so I grabbed it up. I threw some BDUs on, and I threw, threw some boots on, and was trying to trying to get all this done. Well, halfway through trying to throw the BDUs on, we have another aftershock. But at that point, I'm like, well, forget the damn BDUs. I'm getting out of this building, because now I'm, I'm quite well freaked out. Well, this is, okay, we've had an earthquake, and now this is the second aftershock. Right. And how much time from the end of the initial earthquake to the second aftershock? It was less than a minute. It was, I mean, it, it, it may have been. So, I, the, so, my so, the, so the, pauses, the pauses were shorter than, than the right. earthquakes, or the aftershock. It was, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. It just seemed like it was like boom, boom. I mean, I had enough time to try to get my contact lenses in, but you wear contact lenses. You right. It doesn't take very long. But finding them... Yeah, you know, so it may have been a couple minutes or whatever the case may be. I couldn't even tell you. I was like I said, it was just everything was so chaotic. Um, anyway, I grabbed that stuff up. Well, I ran out the out the apartment, which I thought I was going to run out of the apartment. Well, I got out of my bedroom door and I got to my steel front door, and guess what? It's jammed shut. I'm in the bottom floor of a three story unit. And now it's under pressure. And it's under pressure. And I could not get that door open. So my next best bet was out the sliding door. Because I'm on the ground floor, but we were actually... It was a mountain It was a mountain View Apartments, I believe, it was an apartment complex. It was... the They were terraced. It used to be. But <laughs> they're actually there still. Really? Yeah, I was surprised. But uh, they were terraced. And, and, well, my balcony went out. And you had about a 45-degree slope into the parking lot below, which is where my car was. Well... I did my best action hero impersonation in boxer shorts, and I just bail over the banister, and I get down in the parking lot. You know, and I see my cars all kinds all over the place, and I'm like, what in the world's going on? You know, everybody, of course, everybody's coming out of their apartments. Well, when you hear screaming, you know, I heard the apartment complex across the way, I heard this lady screaming. So, from my first reaction, I ran over there, 
and I, I, I get into her apartment, and they had a glass, like a glass shelf unit in the hallway right outside their bedroom door. Well, she ran out, and when she did, I mean, you would think that that shelving-type glass. Yeah. No, it's still glass. And she I, ran right she, into it, didn't she? She, I mean, put a huge cut down her leg. I mean, she was bleeding pretty bad, so. Yeah, and then we tried to get in a femoral artery, uh, not good. Right, right, well, didn't get an artery, thank God, but it was Yeah, but yeah. So I, I, get, I see the, you know, assess the situation, so I run back up, up to the apartment. Of course, I'm going back up a hill barefooted and bail back into the apartment, and I grab a couple rolls of paper towels, and, and by this time I'm, you know, running back down her because I want to put pressure on that. Cause I and, and, and looking at that from, you know, now, look at me looking at it as you're telling the story, because I haven't heard this whole story. Is that probably was not the real efficient way? Well, she probably had paper towels in her apartment, but you don't know that. You don't know anything, and then all you got to think of is, I know where paper towels are. Well, and remember this. So you're not thinking really clearly. Well, and remember this. Everything that was in its place before is no longer there. Right. Let alone you don't even know her apartment. Right. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, everything is just all over the place. So I knew where I kept all my bulk goods, and I knew that, well, they didn't have anywhere to go. You know, right. So I was able to grab that stuff, get down there, and, and some other folks. I said, "Here, look." You know, I showed us how to do pressure. You know, first aid. Got her taken care of. Well, I went back in the apartment. Boom! Another aftershock. And I'm like, "God, when is this going to end?" You know, I'm I'm waiting for the building to collapse. I didn't know what to expect. The supporting wall in the building was already. And you don't with an earthquake, you don't know. No, you don't. Weeks. And, of course, so I run back in. I finally am able to get dressed real quick. I threw some BDUs on. I had my, I found my Beretta. I picked it up, threw it in my side pocket, grabbed my shotgun, ran down, threw it in the car. You know, get that, because I'm like, if that thing collapses, at least I want to have my, my, my firearms. Right. You know. So, of course, all my food and all my preps, man, they made it. They, my refrigerator walked out of my kitchen into my living room. <laughs> I had canned goods in my living room. Now, okay, this is like almost an 1,100 square foot apartment. This is a big apartment. Yeah, it's a big apartment. You know, and I paid dearly for it. But all this stuff is just everything is everywhere. And you're like, oh my god, you know what? You know how am I going to you know sort through this? And then you got this after these aftershocks just pounding. And this happened. I mean. A good part of the day, you know, we were we're sitting there. We'll we get down there, and I had a roommate because we were helping you know, pay the rent because rent back rent even back then was high. Yeah, you know, it was about a dollar a square foot. So anyway, he had a, a blazer, and he was more of one of those guys that wanted to be a cop but couldn't. Yeah. But he was really into the security thing. He had a blazer. It was all decked out and everything else. I'm like, cool. Well, we got dressed. Of course, my not-yet-ex-wife was not there because she was at wherever her friend was. <laughs> so I'm like, fine. You know, we'll figure this out. So well, he and I jumped in this blazer. We started, because this apartment complex, man, was probably 500-some units. It was a big complex. Yeah. So we started going around doing welfare checks, and uh, finally, uh, one of the aftershocks 
kind of jumping ahead of myself here. One of the aftershocks, my front door actually popped itself open. I found out it's a good use for a five-gallon water bottle as I kept it open because I didn't, you know, I wasn't sure I wanted to be able to get in my apartment. I'm like, what have I got to lose? You know, that's one thing we're worried about is looters. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, because the riots happened in 92. We saw that firsthand. Yeah, so you've just been through that. we just been through that a couple of years prior. So we're like, no, that's still fresh in everybody's mind. So, you know, we armed up, and we're riding around in the blazer, and we are doing welfare checks, and we're doing actually kind of running a perimeter on the place. EM, you know, EMS and, and, and police can't get there. The and bridge, they, the and, they've bridge. Got, and they've got bigger things to worry about. Oh, yeah. The bridge at Lyons Avenue and Interstate 5 was acting like a teeter-totter. Every aftershock, it would, like, tip one way, then it tipped the other way. And I could see Interstate 5, and it looked like a parking lot. I mean, because... The, the commuters. Oh, the commuters. Oh, yeah. The pit that collapsed over where 14 and 5 interchanged over there. Uh-huh. The one the motorcycle officer he went off of and, and got killed. That was probably maybe two miles south of me. It wasn't very far. Well, now, now hang on a minute. Let's stop here. Okay, we're going to stop here right down where, where, where you are in this because th- that's another story right there that I want to jump into real quick. We heard the story about the police officer who was driving down, down that highway and he went right off the end, never knew it, never knew the bridge ended. Right. How many times, you told me this part, how many times have you seen that police officer pass you before? When I lived in the Antelope Valley, before I, you know, when I was commuting to work down in Pacoima, the same officer would pass me every morning. And, okay, he's got a badge and a gun, and 55 don't matter. Yeah, because he's just, he's late for work, <laughs> right. and who's going to pull him over? Right, right, right. right. So he, he's, he's blowing by me like I'm a road stripe. You know, and they said his skid mark where he realized where the, when the, the road just disappeared was only like 40 feet, 45 feet long from what I heard. Yeah. And he went out. And doing, and doing 70 plus miles an hour. He probably doing a bit of 90. I had a guy, I mean, that guy, he wasn't in, you know, he was, he was waiting. He was trying to get there to, before he was late, I guess, whatever the case may be, without being ugly. But... He come off the he come off that bridge and they said he went out I want to say about 150 feet and I think it was 70 feet down yeah and hit that hit where the Brit where the road was below and of course he he was killed instantly yeah you know and it was it was a sad but you know you're you're cruising along there and and you're not expecting the road to disappear the road to disappear right well all of them did and then the pit the span that. I don't know if you guys, if you get on Google Earth, Google Earth, or not Google Earth, but Google the Northridge earthquake and go to images, and you'll see the span on Interstate 5, it's just north of the pit, the 14 interchange, where the truck and the motorhome were stuck. Yeah. And this this thing is, it, it spans a small canyon. They were in a section that had the legs. It's like they were sitting on a giant tabletop. Both ends of the bridge had collapsed. On either side of them. And the guy in that big truck, I, I, I had a radio. We, I ran a CB. Of course, I was a truck driver. I ran a CB in my car. My buddy had one in his blazer. This guy was fit to be tied, which I would have been too. Yeah, because guess it. what? Every, Every aftershock, aftershock, 
He's on a table up there just wobbling around. And, and how, how high do you think the freeway was to the ground? Where he was? Yeah. Every bit of 70, 70 to 80 feet. Yeah. Every bit of it, if not more. Yeah. I mean, because, like I said, this span this the old road. Yeah, see, and me personally, know. I mean, I have to drive through Dallas-Fort Worth, South Dallas-Fort Worth, and when I have to do that, and, like, the other day I had to go to Alvarado, and there's a big span where it kind of comes up to the north, and then it hooks south. I don't want to be up there. No. I'm not a big fan of bridges because I'm... I'm Probably because of California, I know that an earthquake can happen at any time, and Murphy's Law says that's where I'm going to be. Right, right. So I'm not a big fan of that. I, no, I'm still not. Yeah. But, you know, it's just one of those things you got to face your fears head on and just hope for the best. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not doing that. I'm not getting married again. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, but I wanted to interject that story because I heard that story, and you touched on it, and I wanted to really kind of throw that out there that... You know, this guy was going to work, and this was kind of his routine. Yeah. And right off the end of that bridge, you know, was over. 70, 80 yeah. foot. So, okay. So, anyway, yeah, we we, uh, we did welfare checks around around the place. We rescued a couple folks because their doors, like, like ours, was jammed shut. And we got a couple people out. You know, we, we ended up kicking, kicking doors. Of course, they're steel doors, so we had to improvise ways of getting the doors knocked in, you know, using something heavy and just beating the crap out of them. And, of course, you know, every aftershock, the building would shift. And the doors open. And I'm in the doors, it's like, you know, quick, you know, and it just goes wide open. But anyway, we had a, we had done all that. We came around, we, we were trying to locate personnel that were, uh, Medical, medical personnel. EMS, paramedics, right. somebody. The further, our, our main focus was the girl that had the cut. So I'm trying to find yeah. somebody that could render, you know, first aid with her. Well, I knew she wouldn't have, was it life-threatening? Okay, power's out, phones are out. And I knew it's going to be a while. Okay, and, and, and when was this? This is back in what? Oh, look, that was like early cell phone days, maybe? I, I don't remember seeing a cell phone back yeah, then. That was back. that was back in pager days. No, right. So, yeah, basically, you're right, because I had, I believe I had a pager, if I remember right, my, my, my company. So, you know, my buddy and I, we get around, we get around, and, of course, the sun is just now coming up. And now we're just, I mean, it's just at that point in the morning where we're actually starting to see things, and it's like, oh, my God. It, it was incredible, just the damage, because we're on the side of a hill. We can see out across, you know, Santa Clarita Valley. Yeah. And... Just to see the damage, to see the devastation, and there was still this huge ominous dust cloud from the pit. Or okay. Five and four okay. Four. Now you're you're now, but you were in what Santa Clarita? Oh, I was actually. It was just on the edge of Valencia. I could see. Okay. So cloud. how far from Northridge or Reseda, where the epicenter was? How far from that do you think you were? As a bird flies, probably ten miles. Yeah. Uh, my I, sister, I'm, I'm my guessing. sister was in Northridge when that happened, and maybe next time I see her, I'll be able to get her to interview. Yeah, I mean, I would, I've always wanted to get on Google Earth since we got this technology now, and actually just kind of gauge it right as a bird flies because earthquakes don't take roads. Right, right. right. So we right. Uh, we went we went to uh, yeah. I'm gonna have to gauge it when he stays. Anyway, we went around. We got around, and this one fellow, he's having he started having a heart attack. Well, I found 
just before we found this guy, I, I had located a nurse. So I told the nurse about the girl with the cut. Well, this guy was having chest pains, and he was sitting down. And he wasn't looking so good. Heavy set fella. We went over, and I we drove the blazer back over. We grabbed the nurse. I said, "Come on, you know, get over there." And she she rendered first aid to him. And meanwhile, you got to keep in mind there are no way. There is no way. For anybody to get up there as far as EMS. When stuff like this happens, everything goes out the door. Well, the roads disappear. There's no roads, right. I mean, I remember back in right. whatever, the 70, 71 earthquake, we drove around afterwards mm -hmm. and watched where sidewalks were completely buckled. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had fun on my bug. I'll get to this later on. I had fun on my bug on the washboard freeways. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, we got... So we went around and did that. Well... We hung out and hung out, and we're kind of like, you know what, I'm not one of those hopeless, you know, people waiting on aid. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm a get-something-done guy. So, I looked at my buddy and said, well, you want to take a trip down to the valley, see if we can get down there. He said, let's do it. He had a blazer, four-wheel drive, and had a little bit of a lift to it. I'm like, well, now's the time, test, you know, test it. So we got out there, and of course we have to go under some of these bridges, which is it's just not, as bad as going over them. Which was comical because a lot of other folks had the same idea. They want to go check on family and everybody else. Well, I'm like, you know what? I just want to go down to my job. You know, I was supposed to go to work that morning, whatever, and, and obviously that didn't happen. But it took us, I bet, about two hours. That normally took me 20 minutes, and there were rocks in the road. And there are still aftershocks. And you have not lived until you've sat in a row of cars and seen an earthquake. Yeah. yeah. The, the cars rock all different ways. The cars, you, it, it literally looks like you are on water because the cars do this wave, oh, the wave, they yeah, do this yeah. wave effect in front of you. And we knew when one was coming because it was cool because I would sit there. Jim was driving. I would sit there. And I watch the mountainsides. I'm watching for rock slides. And all of a sudden you start seeing these plumes of dust. You know, and it came from the Northridge. Sounds like something out of Tremors, the movie. Right. You can the see plumes of dust. dust. The big and it's quick. And you're like, like, here we go. Here comes another one. You know, and boom. And it hit. And, and we're sitting we're hanging on. And, of course, we're not going anywhere fast. I mean, stop and go traffic. We finally, which we get down to, we finally get down to Pacoima. To the yard, and uh, of course, you know, buddy worked with me, and the regional manager. I don't know how he got. Well, he lived down in the uh, basin, so they were they didn't get hit too bad down there. But he's there. My terminal manager's there, and I got to the yard, and I could not believe what I saw. Every trailer that we had at the dock had bounced away from the dock by. Uh, at least 10 feet. <laughs> we had 27 trailers get damaged. Land the landing gear supports bent under the weight because they were loaded. You're talking about the front legs uh -huh. of a trailer. That's how much force there was. It literally bent on one side now, or the you, other. You, what, what, what's your estimation? Do you think the trucks were loaded or unloaded? These were loaded trailers. Okay, so, so it was probably the weight. Had they been empty, would they have been damaged? No. Okay, no. They were just bouncing around a little more. Yeah, they just made a lot of noise. But 
anyway, so we got down there, and I looked at my my regional manager. I said I had a, I put a transfer request in on your desk. Um, I'm homeless. I really need you to approve it. So he approved my he approved my my transfer. And they're like, well, you gonna help clean up? I said, no, sir, I'm not. I, I've got to go find. I'm worried about trying to find somewhere to live. So I went to went and being the kind-hearted person I am, went to check on. I knew where my ex-wife or seemed to be ex-wife was. I went to check on, make sure she was okay. Of course, I didn't find her, but I found that she moved her car. And since I knew she moved her car out in the open in the parking lot, I knew she was okay. So left there and I went back up we went back up to uh, Valencia and I started trying to get what I can together and try to figure out a game plan well meanwhile my dad had already retired and they were living in northern Arizona and he was beside himself he went and filled his truck up he was beside himself because he had no way of getting home he was just going to drive out there so I'm trying to find a way to get a hold. I knew my parents would be freaked out. I tried to get, get, get a hold of them. And finally, later on that day, uh, I was heading. I finally got out of there. I loaded what I could up in my bug and headed up to the Antelope Valley. I had some friends that stayed up there, and I was able to get a hold of my dad. Well, that goes back to it's, it's the old California earthquake preparedness thing is is find somebody out of state. Right. A lot of your local lines will be down where your long distance lines will be up. Right. And right. now we're in the day of cell towers and cell phones. You know, I don't know what, what, what I would tell somebody now. Everybody call one person and check in. Don't call 12 people. Exactly. Because all you're going to do is you're going to tie up all the lines and this you're not going to get out. exactly what happened. Because when they got a few phone lines up and going... That is exactly what the, the circuits were overloaded, and that's that's exactly the perfect the perfect game plan. Is if you have a a point of contact or a backup point of contact to your first one, and that person or persons are the ones that you con that the other family contacts, it saves the phone line issue because you got to figure all your utilities go out the window. Well, here, here's another idea too: is that now. And, and maybe somebody who's in the cell phone area or arena can tell us this. Text messages work on a totally different band of that or side of that. Text messages may be better because I can get a text message out when I can't get a phone call here at the house. Right, right. So maybe that's in the something else and maybe that's something somebody can fill in and help us out with uh, and call in to Bob and let us know about. Okay. And today, right. well, today's, and today's technology, yeah, that, that reality is definitely a lot a lot. Uh, more functional, better or worse, right? <laughs> well, getting back to when we were at the apartment, we got back up to the apartment building, um, which we had to take all kinds of alternate routes and, and stuff to get in there. Um, we managed to finally get back in, and, and we're getting it's getting later in the day, and of course we're still out in aftershocks. Okay, so we're talking what time? Talking about two o'clock, five o'clock? It was. It was probably early afternoon, midday. You got to figure I've been up since zero dark o'clock. Yeah. And I'm coming off of falling asleep drunk 
you know, I'm getting a nap and woke, getting woke up and the whole world went chaotic on yeah. me. Um, it was, I would say it was midday. I wasn't really paying attention to time. I was paying attention to ceilings and things yeah. So, we get back up there and a lot of the tenants that were in my little section of apartments are like, they had kids, they had no food, they had, you know, they weren't ready. Well, knowing what I had, I was started, I, I, we pulled the blazer up out there and I just started pulling the stuff out of the apartment. And I'm going around telling these folks, this will get us through. I said, I, I can't help you with where you're going to sleep. I mean, a lot of folks camped out. They pull their cars out in the middle of the parking lots and stuff in their cars. Right. You know, and I said, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you with that. I would just go grab bedding and, and try to and try to just tough it out, you know, in your vehicle or whatever you can do. And what's the weather like this time of year? It was pretty cool in the morning. It was pretty cool. I mean, it, but it wasn't real bad. I mean, it's California. Right. You know, so, I mean, it was mild. Well, yeah, but in the afternoon, California can get warm. Yeah, but this is January. Okay, so the so the winter time in January can get down to mid fifties in a bad winter, I would think. Yeah, it doesn't get bad. I mean, it was it's tolerable. Uh, you know, it's, it's nothing that you need. Sleeping bad weather. Yeah, it's, it's not you have to worry about any cold weather gear or anything like not like out here. You know, for our two weeks of winter. All right. But anyway, so we went. I went out there and I and I I'm like, look, I've got water. I've got all this stuff, and I'm, I knew I was going to have to relocate pretty quick. And I'm like, I'm going to have to just, you know, this is charity. It's not charity. I took what I can only get so much in a 65 bug. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, anyway, I went ahead and, you know, helped some, helped some of the neighbors out, you know, especially the ones with the kids are the ones I was worried about, you know, because the kids don't understand this, and it's very right. frightening for kids. Right. You know, and also to watch, you know, kids pick up on the parents' panic. You know, which to me is one of the first things, having been through the situations I've been through, is don't let your kids pick up on your own fear. You know, you've got to face it and just deal with it, but be strong in it, because if you're strong in it, the kids are going to say, you're giving the kids more of a sense of security. Right, right. You know, because kids just cannot understand they're kids. Well, no, and what, what, what people don't understand is, one, kids are very resilient. Right. You know, it's like, you know, me and my ex-wife, right. I mean, they'd fall down and she'd run over to pick them up. Right. You know, I, they'd fall down, I'd walk over, and I'd grab by the collar, pick them up, all right, you're fine, get up, go. Right, right. Go back in the sprinkler, whatever. And, I mean, kid, a kid's reaction, it, it, a lot of it, is, it will be based on the parent's reaction. Right, um, right, and if, and, if, and if they fell down and mama came, they, right. they lose their mind. If right. daddy came, they're like, okay. And they shake it off, and you're like, it hurts. They're like, all right, I'll give you an ice cream later. And it's just, yeah, so kids feed off of that. Right. So be strong for them. That's exactly, good. exactly. So we get to, we get up there. Well, I, I start loading some stuff in the car. I'm trying to put a game plan together. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get out of where I'm at and get up to Lancaster. And, of course, that just didn't work out too well. That dang bridge. <laughs> it was missing. Well, the one, one I had the one that I had to cross five, you know, to get across Santa Clarita Valley so I could grab 14 and take 14 up to uh, Antelope Valley. All right. You know, 
and, and, and again and again you got to go through that through that saddle in the hills right okay now you can immediately see the rock slides right. and all that yeah it was it, it so didn't work out so eventually i got up to lancaster and when i did this when i was able to get a hold of family and everything like that but because you know the phone lines obviously up there work and they weren't they weren't inundated and so I made, I got up there, I want to say it was, I can't remember if it was like a couple days later or what. Well, FEMA, I want to get into this aspect of it. FEMA is not your savior. <laughs> and I am emphatic about that. FEMA is there and it takes them a little while to respond. I mean, it, it was about a seventy-two hour, about seventy-two hours, if I remember correctly. And, and see, and see, here, here's a problem. And, and, and I'm not going to say that it's FEMA's fault. A hurricane you can see coming, right? You can stage right. tornadoes. Yeah, you know the season, right. and you know to stage you know, armories or whatever. Earthquakes, they just happen. Yeah. Out of the blue. Yeah. Now after twenty years, bam. Right. Right. Yeah. They. Uh, they said that they didn't even. If I remember correctly, this fault line. They didn't know about. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh look, we have a fault line in Reseda. <laughs> yeah, dude, because the Northridge Apartments launched twelve feet off the ground before they collapsed. <laughs> yeah, there's a fault line right underneath. <laughs> it's like the tow hunter. Bam! 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 <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, things, things happen. Of course, you know, technology's gotten a lot farther. But <laughs> so FEMA finally shows out, shows up out there, and they stage up there as a business park up the, right across the uh, interstate from Magic Mountain. Oh, okay, and that's where which, is, which is which is California's version of Six Flags, right? So they they set up over there in a business park, and so I go down there and I start start the process to fill out paperwork. Well, of course, I got to send out an investigator and yada 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 yada. It's government for you. And I'm fourteen. <laughs> we've, we've got we've got we've got to include like seventeen hundred more jobs, oh, right. federal employees, right. to go look and see if you actually had an earthquake at your house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So because we have doubt. So this guy, you know, really he's a really cool guy. He finally comes out. You know, he. They, they schedule a time to meet me over at the apartment, and, and, of course, you know, this whole time I'm not working, you know, because how? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm much less than having a hard time navigating a bug through town, much less trash trailer. Right. A dog ain't going to hunt. So, <laughs> anyway, so they come out, they finally showed, I, I want to say it was, it was a good week. Uh, the guy comes out. He schedules a time, and he comes out, and he walks through my walk, walks up to my apartment. Of course, thank God the aftershocks have stopped now. And because this, this has been how many weeks later now? No, this is just a few days. Oh, okay, days. okay. Yeah, this is like seven. I'm gonna say seven to ten days. I want to say it's about a week. Okay. He comes out, and he just walks through the apartment. He's like, "Yep, it's trashed." I'm like, "You think?" You know, and uh, he goes in, and he goes. Uh, I need you to make, you know, uh, well, I also had a, uh, I'll get into this in a second, but he goes in and he goes, all right, he says, well, he says, well, go ahead and he goes, I'll get the paperwork submitted. Well, on another note, this is another shocker, and this is something very important for folks that rent. Please listen to me. <laughs> Take out renter's insurance. 
because if you don't, it's a loss is a loss. Renters insurance, it's not very expensive, will help you out. I had renters insurance. Yeah, see, cause I took a I took a FEMA course online, and they said that FEMA is there to help you, but it's not there to replace all your stuff. No. One of the questions they ask you is, do you have homeowners insurance? No, I'm renting. Do you have renters insurance? They're there to assist you. But if you don't have insurance, it's your problem. That's exactly right. Well, FEMA, well, I got a hold of my insurance agent somewhere during this process. Um, I, I believe that's what, what sparked that was that paperwork. I'm like, you know, the light bulb went off. Oh, yeah, I've got renters insurance. So I get a hold of my insurance agent, and I got the ball rolling on that. Well, FEMA kicks, kicks me out of check about, I want to say it was about a couple weeks or better after the earthquake. They kicked me a check out for $3,000. That's a loan. Yeah. I'm like, why is this a loan? Because this earthquake... You know, it wasn't scheduled? Well, it's... <laughs> They have a little stipulation, or they did back then, from what I understand. If the earthquake was rated at 7.0 or above, oh yeah, it was a different kind of disaster. Well, and they did that with the, with, the, with the one in 71 or whatever, the early one, is that they rated it at 7.2, but yet other people said it was actually much bigger. Well... Here's what happened with this, and I saw this firsthand, and just made this is when I started realizing that all these people that that are in these agencies—I ain't gonna say the people; it's the agencies—they are dictated to and told what to do. Obviously, they're government agencies. The earthquake being. If it was a seven rated rated at a seven point zero or above, would have been a different class of an earthquake. It would have been a different class of disaster. Therefore, folks like me that were left homeless would have gotten the three thousand dollars as a grant to relocate. Really? Which means I wouldn't have had to pay anything back. Go ahead and Google Northridge Earthquake and see what the rating, the official rating of the Northridge Earthquake is. It will probably say like 6.4 or 6.6. See, and that's what's kind of funny is the government can manipulate that, but yet if you go to somebody outside of our government, right. they can tell you what they've got listed, and all of the other agencies that are not ours are pretty close to each other, but ours are always below this rating, below, you know, so whatever. Well, guess what school... In the valley, study seismology. <laughs> I can see this one coming. Cal State Northridge. Yep. CSUN. So, being the friendly type that I am, and have having made friends that went to school at Cal State Northridge, I did a little investigating on what the seismographs actually said. And, of course, you know, word travels fast through school. And what I was told is it was 6.9 to 7.1, just depending on what seismograph it was and the set and the other. So ballpark on averages, it would be 7.0. That's my, my frame of thought. Well, the government said it was a 6.4, I don't even remember. 
So that being said, the actual FEMA help was a loan for three thousand dollars. Okay, fine. Uh, I'll go ahead and use that money to relocate whatever I've got to do. You know, granted, half my furniture's tore up, my TV sets are busted. You know, I've got all kinds of stuff that's damaged. Um, I'm, I'm just going to make the most of it. Well, I also had my renter's insurance kicked in. And I had a secondary policy that I had through a loan that actually picked up, helped pick up the deductible on my renter's insurance. So I had, I had everything covered to the point that I was, I was secure when everything paid back, when everything paid off. You know, I had to pay FEMA back, I think it was 50 bucks a month for, for like ever. It was a low interest, low interest loan. I ended up paying them off early because I don't like owing government anything. Right. So, you'll say my, my, my feelings towards FEMA are not the best. But it's, there again, it's not the people that work for FEMA because those people, the ones I dealt with had good hearts. They were good people. They were just like you and I. They were there to try to help. Right, right. It's the jokers that run right. and tell them what to do. Okay, those are the ones I have the issues with. Now, FEMA then and FEMA now, no. I'm not getting into that. <laughs> so, anyway. Don't tell us how you feel, Dave. Right. During the, during the course of all of this, my apartment owner, landlord, slumlord, what it was a nice apartment, but they were now slums, uh, was having a wall-eyed fit pretty much because he was threatening everybody that our lease agreements weren't terminated. He wanted you to continue your lease even though I'm he gonna, was not offering you a livable space. I'm going to pay rent on an apartment that's not livable. That they actually came in and put a sticker on my door, condemned it, of it, and condemned it until you know the structural integrity of this building was fixed. Still was gonna, still gonna threaten. What's gonna go against your credit? Blah 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 blah. Okay, dude, I'm about to, I'm about to get divorced. I don't think I care. Just saying. Yeah, but after my divorce, it was that way. They're like, well. You and your wife, ex-wife, need to work this out. You know, like, we're going to ruin your credit. I'm like, dude, I just went through a divorce. Yeah. I've got a credit score of seven. Yeah, right. Well, 700 is pretty good. No, I said a credit score of seven. <laughs> seven. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. You, you, so, you've got, you're in a condemned building. I don't care. So getting, yeah, getting back to that with, with the lease agreement thing, well, I told the guy, my, my FEMA rep, and I got one of those, oh, Really? Oh, 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 this oh, is gonna go good. Yeah. Now you got yeah. a guy with a purpose. Yeah. So now I've got a guy that's 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 actually on my side, and and he's like, oh, we'll take care of that. He's like, no, no, your lease your lease terminated uh, after the first initial quake, after the first initial ground started shaking. And he said, you're done. <laughs> he said that place is not livable. He said there's no way you can hold you to it. And I'm like, awesome. So. Anyway, so that, that broke the lease off. Um, I wanted to reiterate, too, during the course of all this, this time also, uh, 
y'all read about this stuff, y'all hear about it, this stuff really happens. You got your local 7-Eleven, you know, your local little marts or whatever, and some of them have backup power. They were charging down at the 7-Eleven near me like 10 to $15 for a gallon of milk because they could or they thought. Well, and one, they think they can, but the other part is 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 what they're doing is they're taking advantage of the situation. That's gouging. You can't do that in That's state of Texas. exactly right. But the other part is is just stand there and stand at the door and tell people don't buy it. Right. It's going to spoil in an hour and a half. Well, yeah. You know, they, they uh, but that's the kind of thing that goes on. So, folks, you get into a situation like this, don't think that you're going to have this fantasy of going running up to the store and loading up off the shelves because chances are two things are, one of two things are going to happen, if not both. Number one, everybody else got the same idea. Okay. Right. So it'll be gone if it's there at all. Yeah, those shelves will be stripped. I know living out here, Joe, can, Joe and I both have seen this happen at our, our local grocery store. They think we're going to get snow. Oh, yeah. The day before, yeah, water shelves are clear. There's nowhere to park in the parking lot. Yeah. I mean, they clean that place out, and it's like, okay, folks, snow out here lasts like five minutes. Yeah. Oh, well, we had, we had a nice storm a couple years ago that lasted right. a week. But but the problem is, I'm like, we never really cared personally because we had the stuff at the house. Right, right. Now, now, a key to that would be a really simple thing. Now, I don't drink milk, but, of course, my kids drink milk. And right. I need milk for cooking and that kind of stuff. Dehydrated milk to me is expensive. I don't like buying it, but I have bought a couple boxes because right. I've got cases of water. So if I've got to make macaroni and cheese, I can make it because I have dehydrated milk and a couple of bottles of water. Right, right. So I don't have to worry about it spoiling. I just make enough for what I've got to do. Well, and that was the thing, you know, as the folks that had the kids, you know, and and, and that type. That's of who thing. they were gouging. They were just. It, it, it made me sick. Well, luckily, you know, the, the proper agencies got involved, and later on these folks were approached and fined and whatever else took place in California. Yeah, but that's after the milk all spoiled or somebody got well, gouged. Right. And, and no, this, is, got, this is much later, too. You know, I mean, these guys that think he got away, just like the idiots on the riot. Yeah. You know, they, thought, like, they thought they got away with something. And a year later, some of them were still getting arrested because yeah. they got recognized. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah, you were the one on TV with the pair of Nikes in your hand waving at the camera. Yeah, you're the same idiot. Yeah, guess what? Yeah. Anyway, that's you know, the same kind of thing that happened there. So, anyway, luckily all that kicked down. Well, I was still stuck in California until April. I was, luckily, my friends up in Lancaster, they put me up. I paid them rent. And... Um, my transfer finally came through with my company so I could move to Arizona uh, April April of 94 to try to get my life back or and life life back going in the right direction and that was a bumpy of course after divorce and those of you who've been through that know that feeling anyhow the uh, biggest the biggest thing that that on a preppers point of view if you you know I have to bug out I know where to live 
I had my preps there. And but you didn't know you were a prepper then. You didn't right. know they were preps. But then again, right. your mom went through World War Two, right? And she always had that stuff, right. and you knew to always have that stuff. Right. And uh, I, I just, you know, at that point, seeing what was going on around me is where the charitable side of me was like, you know what? I can't sleep knowing that this mom and kids are hungry. Right, right. You know, they're hungry or thirsty. I've got all this. Okay, you know, it's just me. You know, or me and my buddy, you know, we're... Right, and at the same time, you'd also said earlier, you know, you can't take it all with you either. No. No. So, you know... Give it to somebody who needs it rather than wait for somebody to loot it. Right. You know, and that's the, you know, that's, that's the other thing, you know, is, is you've got, yeah, we have that to worry about, the looters and stuff, but, you know, I was able to give, give some of that stuff away, you know, and help some folks out along the way, you know, when I finally was able to get up, up, up to, uh, uh, up to Antelope Valley again, you know, and of course it, you know, turn about, you know, the, the, you reap, you reap, <clears throat> reap what you sow. I had friends that helped me out, right, and try to recover from all this, you know. And you know, it, it's it just it. I look back at it, and you know, I, I went through some really, really just trying times back then. And I look at where I am now, and just the stuff that I've, I've my takes from it, my my learning from it. You know, I've been through, well, you could call the divorce and the head-on collision, the riots and the earthquake in the span of 92 to 94. That's what, four yeah. shit in Savannah Vance? Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I made it. Right. You know. Right, well, and then on the same, on the same token, I mean, like with me, you know, with my divorce, you were always there for me. Right. And you pulled me through it. And, you know, now on the far side, it's don't ever quit. You know, you got your downtimes, but you need to have your buddies or your team or your network exactly to be there right. because, you know, people were there for you, and now you were there for me, and, I, and, and you know, and then I've had an episode here recently where my van broke down, right. and the team went, and the network was there for me. Right. So. Right. Well, that's just the thing, you know, and I want to reiterate on that, on, on the team, the team aspect, you know, I know we're kind of, kind of going back to the episode where you and I had had that discussion with that. The earthquake happened, and I had, you know, like I said, I had, I had a roommate there, and I couldn't have done it all on my own. You know, Jim was my wingman through the whole thing. Right. You know, we 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 did everything together, and we worked as a team with everything, you know. I couldn't have got through some of these doors to help folks out. There was elderly people stuck in these apartments. Right. You know. And this, was, and this, was, this wasn't a prepper thing, and no. it wasn't a practice thing. Where now we're actually practicing this stuff and training on right. this stuff. Right. So yeah, but but yeah, but he was still, in a sense, you know, part of your team or one of your one of your guys. He. Uh, but you know, he him being a team, and I, I just want to reiterate that because I know there's there's some of you out there that have the philosophy that you're super secretive and stuff. And I respect that. I respect the os- the opposite. But when it comes down to it, if you don't have a good team around you, you're going to have a harder time defending yourself. You're going to have a harder time 
doing some of the things that if you have a team to help you, that it, it, it would everybody shares the workload. Well, yeah, I mean, you got. You, I've, you got I've got a couple. I've got a couple very close friends like that. That you know, they they are very, very, very seclusive on it, and you know, seclusive or reclusive. Well, yeah, and, and, I, and I love them to death, and, and I know, I know what they're about. I mean, you know, I'm you know because we have we have a trust, we have a trust, we have trust there, and, and they are still. You know, they, they, they just keep their head down and don't want to be noticed. Well, you know what? There's got to come a time, if it, you know, when, when it hits the fan that, you know what you got, you know, I've always said you got to pop your head up out of the sand. You got to quit being an ostrich. Right. You know, I guess, you know what? I'm right here. Well, I need backup. Yep. Yeah. I need somebody to run that perimeter. You know, if Jim and I hadn't run the perimeter of that place, who knows what would have happened? You know, Looters, right? Or how many you people know. would have been stuck and maybe died because right. nobody was there to hear somebody scream or and whatever? Yeah, and of course we're we're just taking it all in. You know, we're right. taking notes of where folks are. Right. It takes a team to do that. And granted, it was just he and I, but it takes a team. You know, his eyes are over here, my eyes are over here. You know, and right. Well, like you said, also it takes more than one guy to get through a door. You know, or whatever to lift something. Exactly. I mean, and you're you're a bigger guy than I am, but you know, even with that, I mean, it takes two people to do some things. Right. I don't care how big a guy you are. Right. Well, <clears throat> that's pretty much it on the earthquake. I mean, as as far as that goes, um, I will add that it was kind of funny. Uh, my mom, bless her heart, I lost her in 2008. But when I finally, when I decided to move to Texas in uh, about '97. Um, the first thing out of my my mom's mouth was, "They have tornadoes there." <laughs> <laughs> my only response I could come up with was, "Mom, as you can see those." <laughs> you know, I'm like, you know, the ground. You just don't know, man. And, and, and folks out of California, I feel for you. <clears throat> that I don't ever, ever, ever care to go through that again. <laughs> um, there was a time right shortly after that I went out and saw my folks in Arizona, and my brother-in-law, that we had a travel trailer sitting next to the house, and my brother-in-law, being the ornery person that he is, decided to wake me up one morning by jumping up and down on the side of the trailer. <laughs> I didn't ever know you could get PTSD off an earthquake <laughs> because I came unglued, and he thought that was funny. Oh, I was mad. I was so <laughs> mad. But well, and and coming off that, I mean, like like you're saying though, is is that you know your mom said, well, they've got tornadoes out here. You know, I think everybody has a really good grasp of kind of what's in their area. And I know up, they've got we found a new earthquake zone up northward of Kentucky and over in that area. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. Um, but one of the girls that we train with, uh, Jenny, she's down in Houston. Uh, I want to say off Lake Livingston or something. And they got hurricanes. Yeah. And, I mean, they come in there. Yeah. I mean, and they don't get the storm surge, but they get all the wind. They're up on a hill. And she got this great bug out location. I've seen it on the map and you know, all that. And, uh, honey, you, you and your family and your kids and, you know, and your fiance need to come up here. Keep in mind where your what your hazards are for your area. I mean, I know there are the unforeseen things that you're just not going to see, but if you're on the coast, 
you got hurricanes, or if you're in California, you got floods, fires, earthquakes, riots, and surfing Hawaii. Yeah. You know, you got all of that. I mean, well, look at the tsunami warning system they have on the West Coast. I mean, in Washington, Oregon. Right. You know, I mean, the, the quake happened in Japan. You know, a tsunami watch. Yeah. I mean, and granted, there was a small one that hit Hawaii and it hit Guam. It right. was actually powerful enough when it hit Guam that there was a, uh, I heard there was a nuclear submarine out there that was moored to one of the anchor boys. Yeah. Yeah, it broke loose. Yeah. Thank God the Navy has some high-powered tugboats. Because <laughs> they went after that. There's a nuclear sub after just bobbing away. There's nobody on it. There's like one guy on it. What's he going to do with a big submarine? Yeah. Except hang on. Yeah, they those boys that, like you said, out there in Oregon and mm -hmm. up there. And, well, we'll remind we'll Tabitha over there at Thumper Lane about that. Let her know because she's on the water. She says they go to the beach quite often, so they're pretty close. But yeah, it's know you know your hazards, know your area. Um, I know, but when I lived up in Seattle and Tacoma, I mean, it, it, it got cold. It got snowed. We get snowed in every now and then. You get your upsides and your downsides. Well, you know. It, it, the, the scenario, you know, the stuff hits the fan, that's what we're all prepping for. Don't just think it's going to be zombies. Zombies, or it's going to be, you know, the economic thing, the EMP thing. We've discussed all these scenarios. I've lived through a couple of them, and it doesn't have to be on a grand national scale. It could be on a local scale, and, and I'm sure there's folks out there that have your own stories that, you know, I'm sure Bob would love to, to, to you know, talk to you about. There, it's, you know, it's these real-life experiences. This is where you learn. This is where, you, you, you know, the rubber hits the road. Right. You know, this is where all the things that you've, you've practiced and trained for comes into play. You know, this is where, you, you, you know, what went well, what didn't go well, what to do different. You know, um... You know, I look back at all this stuff, and I and I and I put it in, in into perspective. Perspective now, you know, and I still play the what ifs with the tornadoes. You know, luckily my area, I have got some outstanding neighbors. Yeah, I've got an outstanding network of folks up there. We'll be okay. You right. Know? Um, you know, and, and, of course, the new house has been built to withstand high winds. Right. You know, and I don't know if it's going to survive a twister, but, right. you know, But if a tornado came through our area, took out the grid, took out the phones, all that, we can eat and we can heat. That's exactly right. That's We've got exactly shelter, right. we can eat and we can heat. That's exactly right. I mean, right. that's all you got to do. I and mean... You know, and it's, it's, it's been the, the biggest thing of mine, you know, is, is, and we've discussed this before, is, you know, I've always, we've always had the, had the, the guns, you know, we've always had that, Joe and I have been hunting for years, both come from the West Coast, back then I had guns, nothing like I have now, but I had back then because that's, I believe in my Second Amendment right, and I always have, and that's the way I was brought up, um, but you can't eat bullets. No. The first thing you a body needs is water. Mm -hmm. You need to know how to survive if you don't have any water. Thank God that earthquake. I had gallons, about five gallons. You know, but yeah, I had, you know, of course, back in the bottled water industry wasn't what it is today. What it is today. 
but I had gallons of water, you know, because we had no water. You know, right. you have nothing. It's, it's gone instantly. And you don't know when it's coming back up. You know, uh, gas mains were exploding all over. Yeah, they my sister, yeah, my sister mentioned that. You know, I heard stories, and, and like I said, these are all stories you hear on the streets out there. I heard stories there was a guy driving a Frito-Lay truck, and a gas main, he's driving along when that quake first hit. I heard it blew that the, the truck was going along, and of course the quake hit, and the gas main exploded right under his truck. Right. Hard enough, it blew the coil springs out of the front suspension. Yeah. And luckily, he was okay. You know, I imagine he's still getting the seat fabric out of his rear <laughs> end, but... As I would be, but well, you know things like that. Or well, here's something. Here's something too, and maybe this is something to take away from this: is a well-balanced prepper plan. Because you can't eat bullets, and you can't defend your food with a can of corn. That's true. Unless I mean, you gotta have you gotta have you gotta, you gotta have your defenses. You gotta have your water. You gotta have your food. You gotta have shelter of some sort, even if it is a tent. Yep. And then. Can we, you know, can we heat? Can we eat? You know, or can we cool? You know, can we, I mean, you, it, I understand, I mean, like today, it's 91 degrees, the humidity is 49%. It, it's warm out there, and this is a nice July day. It's not a hot one. If we can get up in the shade, up in the trees, we're good. Right. If we can stay hydrated, we're good. You know, but then you've got to do the other stuff, but it, it's a well-balanced prepper plan would help and you didn't even know you were a prepper back then but yet you had the food you had the water you know you know you had a little bit of training and I had and I now had, you got a lot more training I had the capability and, I, and I'll tell you all it's it's there is no worse feeling in the world to not know to, to know not realize or not know where you're going to lay your head down that night helplessness you helplessness know, is what breeds panic it's exactly right and folks, I saw a lot of that. You know, they're just, you know, the, the shock, the first shock of it all, it takes a little bit to set in. And then you start thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do later? Where am I going to sleep? What am I going to do? You know? Uh, well, then panic sets in, and you, you got to have a plan. Um, well, after well, in the mil back in the military, it was get a plan. So therefore, when something happens, you have a plan. Okay, now, as soon as the first whatever hits, your plan really goes to crap on you. But your training kicks in. Exactly. And you know to do this, you know to do that, you know to do this, you know to do that. So, it, it you know, it gets into all that. So, uh, okay, so uh, this, this is running a little long. We want to kind of cut it short. Uh, what other final points do you have for everybody, Dave? You know, based on this, and your, you know, stink hit the fan, the earthquake, we've already gone over the riots. Yeah, I'll tell you what, let's 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 do this. Let's play it from this angle. I think Bob will like this. Between the two, you've had the riots and you've had the earthquakes. What did you learn the most from both of them together? Or, or what is your biggest thing you could tell somebody about both of them together? I see smoke coming out of you. This ought to be good. <laughs> Move out of California? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, y'all. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> uh, 
prepare for the worst and 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 hope for the best. I mean, you know, nobody, you live in, y'all live in your own area. Y'all ought to know your own area, and you know what potential natural disasters there are. Taking aside all this other stuff that is looming over our country, um, know what you need to do or have a plan. Talk to your family. Communicate with your family. In case something happens, have a plan. Have a backup plan. Stay strong in front of your kids. Your kids need you to be strong. You need to have your ducks in a row, okay? Because I want to tell you, when this stuff happens, things go to chaos instantly. Your kids pick up on that, okay? It's nothing worse, and I and I, I understand this because I witnessed it. There's nothing worse than watching a mother of two kids freaking out because she doesn't know what they're gonna do. Well, the kids instantly are terrified, and they don't even know why. They don't even know why, but they know mama's upset. Yeah, and you know the the whole reality of it hits sets in. You know, and having things having things set up ahead of time, it gives you huge peace of mind. You know, you go into a situation, okay, this is messed up, this happened, it is what it is, we've gotta move forward. Okay? We've gotta get we've gotta get through this together as a as a family unit. We've gotta get through this together as a team and you work through it. But you've got to have the necessary things in place to do that and be successful. Even if it is just skills. I mean, yeah, we're preppers, so therefore we have the food, the water, this other thing, all these other things. But just, it's mentality. Exactly. It's the mentality. I mean, you know, just, just this just popped into my head is if you watch any of these shows, you know, where I don't care if it's Die Hard or the Living Dead zombie show that's out. There's always one guy that he doesn't know exactly what to do, but he's moving forward. Right. He's like, this has happened. We are moving forward from right. here. Right. I don't know what to do, but we're moving forward, and we're going to go somewhere. Right. So think about that. Just keep that in mind, and regardless of what happens, have the intestinal fortitude to move forward. Well, the no, you know, last thing you want to do is throw your hands up in the world in, in, in the air because you're not going anywhere from there. And and scream, oh God, why why me? Why has this happened to me? And start having a pity party because you know what? You're going you're back. Not the, you're not the only one on the train wreck, right? Okay, you're not the only one in, in the world this has happened to. You know this this kind of thing happens all the time, and the news might give you two minutes of, of the time to, to watch it. You know or whatever the case may be, but you're not the only one. So get the words I can't out of your vocabulary. You've got to lose those words. You've got to maintain a positive attitude as rough as it gets, okay? I said the 90s were, were really rough. I went through a, went through a, a bad deal with, with my family earlier last year. You know, we lost our, we lost our son. Right. That was another event. But you know what? We don't always have the big picture, but we work through it together. Right. 
you know, I, I relied heavily on, on, on Joe. I relied heavily on, on, you know, my wife to help me get through some things. I, you know, and my, my youngest son and, and my son's friends and, and people at work, you know. There's people there that have actually been there. Those are the people you want to weed out and, and say, hey, you know what, I kind of need you as a leaning post right now, you know, or whatever. I mean, you know, you find those folks, and those are the folks that, that help you get through. And that and God above. Yeah. You know. Guidance. I, all I can say about the early 90s, you know, the mid-90s, is like God must have been trying to get my attention. I said, boy, you need to go to Texas. That's all <laughs> I can say. He, he rocked the cradle and he rolled. I'm telling you. But, no, that's the best advice I can give, you okay. know. But just, you know, look, always play the what if card. You know, and how, what would, where would we be right now? What if, you know, we were without a home? What would we do? Oh, it goes back to the bracelet, WWJD. Right. What would Joe do? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we uh, uh, that's that's just you know the way I, I I try to try to play all this out in my head and you know and we don't know what's coming up for all of us. We don't know what's coming up as a nation. We don't know what's coming up if if there's an actual disaster. No, nobody knows this stuff, you know. But it's up to us to use our common sense and to plan ahead and to put put the stuff back to get us through it. Right. You know that that's about all I can say with it. It's it's um, it's been a, a really those were really eye opening experiences, and and what I'm just I'm just happy that I'm able to share them with everybody because I've I've talked about them enough in the past, and actually giving them out to folks that that and giving them further understanding of, of the reality of it. Um, I, I couldn't even. I can't even think of a better way to explain to everybody what it's like to be without a home in 30 seconds. Right. You know, it's 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 terrible. It's the worst thing in the world. And what's really good here is is that you know we're gonna try to close this up. We're running a little long on this one, which we kind of thought we would. This is this is a big subject. Is that Bob had mentioned to me that he wanted this to be a community podcast and and that and that he thanked me and Dave for helping him to kind of make this a community podcast and to everybody tell their story get with Bob uh, talk and let's let's get some of these stories out there because there's a story that we don't have that somebody else has that they can share with somebody that may bring somebody in help somebody learn be the device that help save somebody or help somebody in some way so that's what prepping is all about um, helping each other helping yourself helping others and getting past whatever it is that it is so with that uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off here um, we appreciate y'all listening um, we really appreciate Bob giving us the time and the chance to talk to everybody um, and, and kind of share some of our experiences and uh, from talking to Bob, we, I think he, he, you know, he would appreciate y'all doing the same as well. So, again, thank you for listening. Uh, thanks to Bob. Uh, thanks to everybody out there on the forum and everybody contributing wherever they can. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you all. Uh, 
This is Mexican Joe. Super Dave. Alright, we'll check y'all again. Bye. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, very informative interview. Thank you very much. And uh, good stuff there. You know, folks, if you like what I do on this show, what I put together and, and the guests that volunteer their time and things like that, consider supporting the show by purchasing a copy of one of the Survival Champions Club podcasts that I have on the website. If you just go to todayssurvival.com and check out the Survival Champions Club link on the right side of the page. Todayssurvival.com and click the right side of the page where it says Survival Champions Club. Glenn Tate is on there, the author of the book 299 Days, a white bear from Montana, Covers a lot on survival, on primitive living stuff. John Neusser has a great self-defense interview where he talks about how to how to prep from a self-defense standpoint. Wade in Louisiana talks about how to use herbs. My friend Matt Chusnick from Austin. How you doing, Matt? Hopefully everything is going well for you. He just recently um, has a new living situation that's working out great. He does a lot of blacksmithing and knife and tool sharpening. So there's a good... Interview with him and Matt Brasick with Midwest Disaster Medical also contributed some excellent stuff. And also the newest addition is uh, Ghost, one of the training partners that, that Dave and Joe have. He did a really good interview on what really is the militia, and he talked about how they train. And it's not a wacky thing. It's a good common sense interview on on prepping also from a self-defense standpoint and also he goes into more than just that so ghost did a great job ghost i want to tell you thank you very much for your time i thought it was so good i decided to include it on the survival champions club you can get all those podcasts for 75 dollars or 25 dollars each you can save a lot of money if you get them all or just go to my amazon store you don't have to spend any extra money just click the amazon store link and you'll be able to buy something off of amazon and help support the show at the same time Emails, I can be reached at bob at todayssurvival.com. Well, thanks for listening to this 219th episode of Today's Survival Show. I'm Bob Main. My goal is to help you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.